You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Happy Mother's Day to you all. It's a really a special occasion, uh, a special event, and not just to the moms, but to the dads and the kids too. Uh, it's a family event. But let me ask you, moms and dads, have you ever wondered why you had kids? <laughs> Seriously. I'm not talking about the beginning. That's all sweetness and excitement and love. I'm talking further down the path. After you've been family for a while. Yes, there are great days. But there's also a lot of less exciting times. Often anxious times crises, and disappointments. And that's what makes moms kids. I really struggled with what I wanted to share with you this morning. And so I thought about talking about Ruth and Naomi from the Bible. They're great examples of moms. And what about Hannah? Samuel's mother, she's a real sweetie with her prayer and her devotion and her following through her commitment to the Lord. We could get a lot of lessons from her. But what was my struggle? Well, I felt that I had to make this message to you this morning personal. And therein is the struggle. Firstly, it's not safe or PC to be openly vulnerable before a congregation, even in a society and a culture of tolerance and saving face. Secondly, and right up front, it's just not polite to talk about yourself, especially for a half an hour, okay? And thirdly, I know you like stories. And I was concerned that if I told you stories, you'd remember the story and not the meaning of what I wanted to tell you, the application, God's grace in our lives. But the Spirit, as I was preparing, prompted me to speak about real-life things, not the way life should be, but the way it is. And what I've learned through it in spite of my brokenness and living in a broken world. Because as I listen to the family of God, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that we, and yes, that includes me, have lost the reality of our faith. And if we haven't lost it, we can easily lose it in the struggles around. And so we tend to hide behind a false self. And as we've been exploring both in the EHS class and the EHR class, how can we know God if we don't know or examine ourselves? And it's my prayer this morning that as I share a few things that you'll go closer to the Lord as you see the parallels in between the physical situations that we live in and the spiritual lessons God is trying to teach us. 
Yes, I'm a mom, although you usually see me alone. And let me show you my real true credentials for speaking to you this morning. I've got three children, and on your left is my youngest, Maneeb, and peeking over my shoulder is Suzanne, and the oldest is Khalaf, and you might have seen him around church last week. He was here on work in Anaheim and dropped in. Those three kids have given me six grandkids, and here we have the progeny of our oldest, Juju, Jomana, Benjamin, and Samuel. And uh, you'll notice that the last picture I got from them is this one on Christmas morning, so you'll have to forgive the pajamas and the unshaved face. That's not a priority on Christmas morning. The next one is uh, the children from our youngest son, and Natalie and Alexander. And they live in Dubai. Now you'll say, so why are they all bundled up in jackets? Well, you know Dubai is desert. It runs over 120 degrees. So when they have the opportunity to get out of the desert and go to Armenia and visit the other grandparents and have a snow experience, they jump at the bit. And my last grandchild is Camille. And you have, she's growing up, hasn't she? And you've seen her with me now and again here at church. So what have my kids taught me about life? What am I going to share? First, that waiting is part of the walk. The walk, life's journey. About 50 years ago, I bought into the cultural idea that our kids would always be nearby. And when I asked my husband why he wanted a family, he'd say with a question, can you imagine growing older by yourself? <laughs> well, at that time, I hadn't really thought about it. But we had the three kids who had the six grandkids. And it was taken for granted that as they grew older, we'd have Sunday dinners together and birthdays and holidays, especially Mother's Day. <laughs> but that didn't happen. They moved huge distances away. And even when Suzanne moved back to LA County and settled in Culver City, those of us who live here know that uh, there is a traffic nightmare along the 105 and the 91 to the 405 north, so that casual drop-ins for coffee or, Mom, can you stop by? Or, Mom, can you pick up the kid after school? It just doesn't happen. Still, each Christmas and Easter, I stack up the freezer in the hopes that they will come. And it doesn't or seldom happen. And I wait. Actually, you could come. I could cook for you and we could celebrate together. And I want you to know that I love and I appreciate each one of you that God has given me in my spiritual family. You are precious to me. But what is mind-boggling is that we are even more precious to God 
And how often do we visit him? And in the pity party of being left behind or overlooked, I often look upward and I ask, is this what I signed up for? Is this why I had children? And the answer comes, wait. Psalm 27 and 14 says, wait for the law. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You notice in the one little tiny verse, he says it twice. It's important. Wait. And the, oh, okay, Lord, I'm waiting. I'm getting older, and I can't take the grandkids to the beach or Disneyland very easily anymore. And what could I do with them anyway if they did come? Life is going so fast, and I'm slowing down. Haven't I already missed the best times of my life, the best days, the best energy I have to offer? Isaiah 30 and 18 says, For the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Wow, what an answer. All the wondering, the complaining, the asking is a form of prayer. They're questions of my heart and soul. And scripture always says God hears and answers when we call. But in this verse, it says he longs to be gracious. He really cares. But Lord, I say, I don't see the answers I want. <laughs> and when I want it, and if you're like me, it means you want it right now. Okay? And therein lies the disconnect. Do you remember the Sunday school lesson on prayer that says God's answers to prayers are like traffic signals? Green is go. Yes, yes. I'll do what you want. I'll do what you need. I'll do what you ask. I agree that that idea for you, Nancy, is in my will for you. Yeah, let's get on with it. And red, stop. <laughs> no. I won't do it because I'm a loving father, and I see that further down the road of life, it's going to hurt you. And the answer is no. But then there's the yellow. Wait. And what's that all about? Trust me, he says. I heard, but not now. Why, Lord? Why wait? Because I'm doing a work in your life and in the lives of those you've prayed for. But my greater, better plan for you takes time. Deepen your trust in me, he says, and wait. God knows it's hard to wait. The verse says he's a God of compassion, and he doesn't let wrongs go unnoticed. That he's a God of justice. So if I'm trusting his character for eternity, can I raise my fist and object? 
this isn't fair? You know the song that's based on Isaiah 40, verse 31? And as I wait, what? I'll rise up like the eagle. Okay? God turns my thoughts upward to see a deeper part of his hidden purpose and plan for my life. He reveals a part of himself as we wait. He shows us his perspective. And he whispers, Nancy, what did you pray for when you had kids? Well, Lord, I prayed for health. Take a look at them. They're huge. <laughs> They're athletic. They've got health. And Lord, what else did I pray? Well, I prayed that they would know you and follow you and serve you. We dedicated them to you, Lord, when they were born. You remember. And yes, Lord, they're saved. They're born into your family. Oh, born into your family. They're yours now. They're bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. But Lord, are they following you? Well, Nancy, that's what I'm doing. That's what you prayed for. I had to take them distances away so that they would hear my voice, not yours. And I gave them their own families and their struggles so that they would seek me and know my voice and call on me and learn to follow me. I had a work in their lives that I started way back when they were in your home, long ago. And that work I now have to complete. And wasn't one of your key verses way back then, Nancy, Psalm 127 and 4? Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Arrows, Lord? Yeah, arrows. You point the arrow. You give them direction in life. Then you pull back and you let go. Let go. Let God. And wait. And while you wait, he says, I want to show you more of what your salvation means. It's not only that your sins before me are covered by the blood of Jesus and that you now have an eternal home in heaven, but I want to strengthen your relationship with me now as my child. And so relationship means intimacy. We often say that Christianity is not a religion, it's relationship. And I've often wondered exactly what that means, especially if you come from families that are not the ideal. 
Relationship is a vital practice that gives meaning and purpose to life. In sharing yourself with someone or something that is close. In 2018, it has become synonymous for the physical closeness, but it should have a spiritual component of looking for a soulmate too, one with shared values and goals and ideals. Let's explore that idea. Frequently on Mother's Day, we turn to the verse in Isaiah 49 and 15 that says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. That's a powerfully intimate picture of a woman breastfeeding her baby. In fact, it's considered so highly intimate that it often makes the news to be disallowed in public places. And God is using that image to declare his care and love for us. In fact, he says his love is greater, surer, more steadfast, more dependable, more long-lasting than the love of a mother. That's not the pledge of a God who's distant, but a God who wants to be at the very center of our lives. It's intimate, and it starts right here and now as we are born again as babies into his family, the family of God. Now, what about the soulmate? Well, Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Sharing secrets with God? He's giving you insights that are unique and known only to him. And how does that happen? Well, I've often repeated the phrase, we're human beings, not human doings. This week, on Tuesday, the inside landline on my phone died. It was a wire that wasn't the responsibility of the phone company. And so my son, who was visiting, felt it was his duty to fix it. And he rigged up an alternate arrangement. On Thursday, my washing machine decided to die too. And so he said, Mom, it's my last night at home with you, but I can run down to Best Buy's and I can put a washing machine in the back of my car and he can hook it up before he leaves. And I said, no, I'll phone Home Depot and they can do it. Why? Because my time with him was more important. And it's similar in the family of God. He longs for time with us, just to be. To be his child, to be in his presence, to let him be the father. And remember, that name, that choice of words is not ours. It's his. The prayer Jesus taught, our Father who art in heaven, that's his idea. 
And what does John 1 and 12? To as many as received him, he gave the power to be sons or children of God. Exactly. I laugh at the boldness of my daughter Suzanne when she was about five years old. I wanted to spend more time with her and teach her about helping in the family. So one night after dinner, I said to Susie, hop up on a chair beside me and I'll put my fancy apron around your waist and you can help me do the dishes like a big girl and we can talk and maybe afterwards we'll have a street, just you and me. And she put her hand on her hip and she looked at me and she slanted her eyes and she wrinkled her nose and she said, use the dishwasher. <laughs> her will versus mine. I truly wanted the time with her alone as Emil played with the boys, but she wanted to play. Later, she'd want to cook, but her way. And we got salad creations that had more stems than leaves, <laughs> and eggs that were almost boiled in too much oil when she was trying to fry them. She meant well by doing, but she hadn't wanted to take the time to be instructed. Do you see the problem of hurrying to do without being in God's presence first? The desire that I had and still have to share my life with loved ones is the desire that God wants to have with us, only more so. That's why he made us. That's why he created the world and us for it. And that's his goal at the end of Revelation, to dwell with us. He wants to reveal himself to us as we spend quality time getting to know him more deeply. Yes, he gives direction, he gives comfort, protection, provision, healing, but he also gives himself, and that's intimate. Are we open and honest when we talk to him? Do we share the true content of our hearts and souls? Or does our relationship with him still look like going to an event? We've got to clean up first, put our best foots forward, and then seek his face. And do we talk about only the things we want him to hear? I was thrilled to get a text this week from my youngest son to say that he'd be enrolling in seminary next month. He just needed to finalize whether or not it would be with APU, as Azusa Pacific, or with Fuller Seminary, as they both had extensive online programs. Praise God, I was so excited. This is evidence of God's work in his life. 
but he didn't tell me the real event of the week. And that is that he would be boxing in an exhibition tournament against an undefeated champ at a promotional venue in Dubai. <laughs> he left that part out because I'd be, he thought that I would be upset with the news. Well, he's right. I was upset, even though he won. <laughs> and when we are selective with what we tell God, fellowship is decreased. And we shy away from boldly entering into his presence. We've withheld from each other in true relationship and we've lost the intimacy of connection. Praise God, we can get it back again. First John chapter one. But that is also a disconnect. You might say, well, why tell God he knows anyway? But when we're open and contrite with him, we allow God to do a work in our lives and hearts and in the lives of those we are praying for. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, In everything pray. The things I'm hurting about, the things I'm ashamed about, the things that aren't fair, the things I don't understand, the things I need, Let's get real with God and then give thanks. Why? Because he hears us and he is doing something about it if we talk to him about it. We have a hope, a sure hope. And in our intimate relation with him, a peace that passes all understanding. In a pastor's blog recently, I read, the opposite of joy is not sadness, it's unbelief. We don't trust him with the details, unbelief. And as a result, we have not because we ask not. We're often just like our kids. We ask God without listing or spending time with him first. We come with our agenda, our demands, our needs, and we never get to know the Father's heart. And so the Bible says we ask amiss. We don't know his heart, and so we ask for the wrong things. And we lose out then on the better things that what God wants to give us. As adults, perhaps our prayer should be, forgive us, Lord, not that we've messed up, <laughs> because that's a given from the beginning. We're human. But rather that we thought we could do life by ourselves, our way. And forgive us, Lord, for asking for your help in crises and uncertainties before we ask your direction that would keep us from the crisis in the first place. 
The quality of a relationship depends on time spent together in openness and honesty of communication. Is that why we feel so often a spiritual letdown Monday to Saturday? Because we're usually in a hurry before God? Sorry, God, something important's really come up. I'm in a rush today. Gotta go. See you later. And lastly, each day of my life, I'm given a challenge to leave a legacy that lasts. We live in a world that gives us mixed messages. On the one hand, we are learning from the culture where we were born and in the society that we operate in. And on the other hand is a still small voice within that is guiding us through what we've learned from the word of God and the ministry of his Holy Spirit. So many, yet, uh, so many believers have decided to leave the kingdom of God to the future, a home in heaven wherein we die, but right now they're busy pursuing the present. You only live once. Or, I've got to make a name for myself, right? Or, I don't want to miss out anything. Uh, a billboard near the airport yesterday was uh, advertising uh, a movie channel, and it said, life passes, or things happen while you're waiting. And I thought, yeah, things happen, but we don't need to be a part of everything that happens. I read recently that the best among us is remembered only for a hundred years. The memory of that person fades, and without a picture, you might even forget what they look like. And new ideas and new practices and new technologies crowd in and are exchanged for the old ways of life. Do you have that fear for you and your kids? So, is a hundred years the end of the legacy? Psalm 127 and 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Our legacy depends on what we're building into our kids during the time we have with them on earth. It also depends on what we're praying for for them. Is our focus and challenge for them success or education or stability or a good house or the right life partner? All have value, but with serious limits. It's all temporary. It lasts only a few decades. My father-in-law used to say that the success of a child starts 27 years before the child is born. 27 years before the child is born? It starts with us. Our values, our goals, our direction in life, 
And you know, we never retire from what we're giving them to remember. Proverbs 22 and 6, you know the verse. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 to 9, commands parents and grandparents to focus the child on loving God as you go in, as you go out, as you get up in the morning, as you lie down at night, as you sit, as you walk by the way. What are you showing your kids around you? Earthly success by man's definition or a life lived in surrender to God's perfect plan? The first plan, man's plan, might look good for a few years here on earth, but you can't take it with you. Time spent in God's presence learning his direction produces a plan that lasts for eternity well beyond the hundred years of man's remembrance. God's plan can be passed from generation to generation without limit, regardless of the stock market or world events. And by divine coincidence, did you read our daily bread this morning? It's a great little package, a vitamin pill for spirituality. The message this morning was the same verse, Matthew 6, 19 to 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Have you applied this verse to your legacy? The inheritance that you're leaving your children? What are they seeing in you? What are they seeing in us? What are they learning from us about our values and our focuses in life? Shouldn't our treasure be eternal? Don't we want a vibrant spiritual life for our kids? We manage our health and our finances right to the end, but we're often lax in our obedience to the Spirit of God. 1 John 2 and 17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. What kind of a legacy are you leaving? Short-term or long-term? What will your kids inherit from you? I've cried many times about having left my birth family in Toronto to buy into the hopes of being surrounded by my own family here in Los Angeles, but God has separated them from me too. But I'm not alone. He's given me a new family, a new purpose, a more intimate relationship with himself, and my children are learning to follow his voice in Christian service. Both sons are helping in pastoral ministries, 
and Suzanne is the pastor chef at her church and in her community. In fact, I was amazed and humbled one day when the Lord made me realize that my kids are not separated from me by distance, but rather they've been commended to God's work through him. Each one is working in a place that my husband and I served. Our youngest is in Dubai, and we pastored in the United Arab Emirates, of which Dubai is the part. Our oldest is in Michigan and works also on the eastern seaboard and parts of Canada, and that's exactly where we first started to plant churches shortly after we were married. And Susie is going to the actual church that we pastored in Marina del Rey, just down the road in Culver City. They're not separated from me. They're continuing my and my husband's assignment. When I was younger, I loved to spend a few weeks each summer in northern Ontario, canoeing up and down the rivers and the lakes. And near the start of each trip, we'd pass an old barn that had this poem painted on it. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I've tried to live out the truth of that in my life. So, what are you holding on to? The rights of motherhood or fatherhood to have it all here and now? A hope of security as they surround you and look after you or you look after them? Are you looking for or holding on to an intimacy with familiar things or people or places that you'll leave behind sooner than you realize? May the present that we receive as mothers on Mother's Day be something that we give ourselves, a greater trust in a God who is faithful as we wait on him greater intimacy with our Lord and Savior so that he can unleash his power in our lives and in the lives of those we love. And may another present be a richer legacy for ourselves and our families as we focus our energy on his leading with his perspective for his kingdom starting right now. Am I battle-scarred? Sure. Am I weary? Yes. But that's okay, because I'm going to leave it all behind, and very soon. The Bible says our troubles are light and momentary compared to what God has in store for us. Our life here should not be the totality of our goals and hopes. It's just a stepping stone into eternity. 
Focus on the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus as you live each day on earth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and for sure all the rest will be added unto you. It's not an order for the Christian walk as we are under grace. It's not a threat of punishment to us and our families or loss if we don't obey. It's an invitation of love from a loving father for a better way with fullness of joy and no regrets. May God bless each one of you and keep you as you come closer to himself. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.